This is the soundtrack series. This is the Soundtrack Series. I'm Dana Rossi. Today's episode, I wanted to talk to someone who would be the expert, the ultimate, in talking about music when it comes to dating, when it goes right, mostly when it goes wrong. And the times that we lean on music, we depend on music, we count on music, all within our dating lives. And I could not think of anybody better to do this with than the beloved author of the critically acclaimed book, Intimacy Idiot, Isaac Oliver. So Isaac and I talk about music in our lives when it comes to dating. And we do talk a lot about Sarah McLaughlin. I'm surprised we talk that much about Sarah McLaughlin. I'm not. I used to do this thing where, you know, any, any guy I had a crush on, and if I got wind, he liked whatever band, I immediately listened to that band. Not mm. because I was trying to get him to like me, but because knowing I was listening to something that a guy I had a crush on liked mm-hmm. just made me feel like I was close to him even if he wasn't around. Well, it's a way of learning about someone. I mean, yeah. I, that's how I first found out about Joni Mitchell. I met a guy who I thought was so cute at a high school arts competition, and he was like, you haven't heard of Joni Mitchell? And and he put his hand on my knee, and he, and he, was, <laughs> oh, like, he was like, no. you need to listen to Blue. You need mm. to listen to Blue. That album is me. And, and that's how I first found out about her because I... I, it was my way of trying to understand more about him. Yeah. By listening to that album. And I mean, luckily, I learned more about myself by listening to her and it became more personal to me. Yeah. But that did not happen with Metallica. No. And me. <laughs> um, that's a book title, Metallica and Me. But yeah, uh, it, yeah. that didn't have, you know, guys that would like that band or whatever. And it wasn't even. There were times, though, I'm trying to think, though, of specific times where um, a guy I liked liked a particular band and then I was listening to that and then I was like, I've got to listen to this all the time. Nothing is coming up. All that's coming up now is is Metallica. (laughs) But it was like being able to summon that person, Mm -hmm. you know, (laughs) like, you know, when they weren't around being able. It was it opened up more of a sense like you could think about somebody or fantasize about somebody but to put on the music that they liked or they talked mm-hmm. about opens up another sense yeah it's sort of like being in the room with them yeah you know i i don't know it's it's very romantic well and that's part of what uh, the the story i was telling you was you know meeting this guy on on the barren tundra that is tinder <laughs> and you know and just sort of hitting it off i mean he's a musician which helped but you know we both had mentioned Joni mitchell in our in our profiles and so he just immediately was like favorite Joni Mitchell album go and we just started talking about Hegira and Court and Spark and Blue and Ladies of the Canyon and just sort of going through each album and you know wild things run fast you know avoid that one you know just sort of (laughs) there was something so sweet and I think I said to you like it, it felt like nostalgic and sort of I don't know like a like a a conversation that is pure in a way like like yeah. a sort of teenage unencumbered by adult muck you know yeah like sitting in someone's car in a parking lot on break from school in the summer you know like the, it was that kind of yeah um conversation and 
And I, like everything and all the other gunk is is stripped away, you know, the trying to impress somebody else or, you know, trying to get that other person to like you or think that you're cool because you know this particular thing about Joni mm-hmm. Mitchell and everything. It was like when you can get to that pure part of a conversation with someone you're just first making a connection to. Well, and and how much music is intrinsically a part of us. I mean, yeah. you know, it's it's a part of our souls and it and it's sort of shape, you know, it not sort of, it does shape. Yeah. Who we are. And the things I write, you know, so much of it is shaped by the music I'm listening to at the time or how a day goes is affected by what I'm listening to on mm-hmm. my iPod. And so I think yeah. you you can learn a lot about someone. It's it's such it's such a, a window in. Well, I mean, you do the uh, the the Tinder thing. How much does does music come up? It doesn't really. I mean, and I think maybe that's. I mean, we're we're changing so much because I can't speak for everybody, but yes, you can. A, another thing that was so refreshing about that conversation was it had just been so long since we consider an album. You know, yeah. since we since we talk about sort of the entirety of an album, mm-hmm. and it occurred to me. I mean, Joni Mitchell is one of the few artists who I own entire albums. Yeah. Of, and we'll listen from beginning to end. I mean, that's just so rare now. We don't we don't sort of listen to the entire the entirety of what an artist has to say. Right. Um, we try to artfully arrange what a piece of what they tried to sure. say into a playlist with other pieces yeah. from other artists. Just a, bu- a bunch of conversations, I guess. So, yeah, I think in that way, music's sort of surface significance maybe is changing. Yeah. To people, um, I don't know. I don't know. That's not really a formed thought. But I think because it is something we have more, I don't know, manipulation over, because we are sort of putting together our own albums of tracks in playlists now and, yeah. you know, things like that. And m- maybe maybe we have maybe we, we have a different reverence for it or a different respect or less respect. I don't know. But I, I find... In, in the limited amount of time I've been on Tinder, you know, the last few months, mm-hmm. I mean, it isn't something a lot of people feature heavily in their profiles. Whereas it used to, I mean, I, I don't know. I'm not on, I'm not on like match.com and things like that. I think there are still fields where you can fill out what music you like. Yeah. I was for a month in 2006. Oh. I was on match. How'd that go? It was a month. So that should, <laughs> yeah. But I... I remember it's like I got frustrated with it after a while and then just started trying to pick fights with people because that was working. Is that how you met Pete? No. (laughs) (laughs) I don't remember if anybody really talked a lot about music then at that because I would have glommed on to that, especially at that time. You know, remember with MySpace, you used to be able to have a song on your profile. Oh, my God. So when people would visit your profile, a a song of your choosing would start to play. Oh, my God. Mine was Building a Mystery by Sarah McLachlan. <laughs> Very on the nose. And it was 2005, so everyone else's was Somebody Told Me by The Killers. <laughs> what you were saying before about, like, you know, when we pull and we make these playlists. I mean, that's a little, well, it's easier to do it now. But that's a little bit like making a mixtape. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. 
Although to make a mixtape, you had to work a little harder for it. Oh, you had to work so hard. Yeah. The rewinding and the stopping. And Did you ever make a mixtape for somebody? I made mixtapes were... for friends. Oh, okay. Well, I don't know. I did I did have a crush on my, on my very first crush, sort of unrequited. And I, I made him a couple mixtapes. I don't know. It, it, it wasn't very coded or anything. I mean, it was... They were pretty standard. <laughs> I was too fearful to make them all like, I love you song. Do you, do you remember at all what was on there? There was, I'm sure there was some Sarah McLaughlin. I'm sure. I, I couldn't, I couldn't, I couldn't swing a stick in my room without hitting Sarah McLaughlin things. Um, <laughs> I'm sure it was, it was, it was my own sort of Lilith Fair of, of, <laughs> <laughs> of music that I put together for him. Um, I'm sure there was Indigo Girls. I'm sure there was maybe a little Lauren Hill. I don't know. God, I wish I could remember more clearly. Did you? Did I? <laughs> I made mixtapes for me. Oh. Um, okay. Yeah. And they were never... What was funny is I, I reached this phase where I would maybe only like part of a song. So that's what I'd put on there. Like it would stop halfway through or what? it would start about, you know, two oh, minutes, wow. eight seconds in. Yeah. I don't know. I That was maybe my like uh, ADD phase oh. of... But yeah, I don't, I don't remember ever making it. You're I, sort of sampling. Yeah. In a, in a way, I mean, like not in any kind of skillful way. <laughs> um, but I don't know that I, I don't think I ever did make a mixtape for anybody really, because I never wanted to let anybody know I liked them. Mm. You were a braver man than I. Oh God. I, I was always like trying to hide that. Well, I don't know. I don't know that my option is better. A sort of like, here's a mixtape. I think it is. <laughs> Because you're letting this little proxy, this little, that's you know, true. yeah, I'm hoping album that you've yeah. curated proxy, a tape of messages, <laughs> a tape of thinly veiled messages. veiled messages in the arms of the angel. Oh, I never went that oh. far. I was very like Adia. Oh, okay. I, was, I really threw that song around pretty indiscriminately. I love that's Fumbling a, Toward oh, Ecstasy. I love that's that a great whole album. album. Oh, my God. I had that tape. You had the tape? Yeah, I wore that out. As, as I was, you know, thinking about all of this, too, just in how much music plays a part in like dating lives and everything else as, as being something I have leaned on or hid behind, you know, oh, yeah. so a lot of times feeling rejected by someone and then hiding behind a lot of La Tigra, mm. um, you know, or Courtney Love or anything that was like really aggressive, but female to kind of feel empowered myself, but also just kind of put this hard edge up. Sure. Uh, have you ever done anything? Oh yeah. With that? I mean, yeah. I well, I I use, I listen to music all the time. I uh, on the subway, on the street, and I use. I was actually thinking on the way over here. I I use music as it's it's a it's a sort of enabling force in a way of a sort of uh, encouraging a, a a more cinematic narrative for my life than I think the one I'm actually living in. You know, <laughs> right. I think I. You know, I listen to a lot of, you know, jazz or Nat King Cole or, you know, music that would be in like a Woody Allen movie. And I'm like walking through New York and yeah. I'm just like, oh, it's fabulous. And, you know, because I am such a fan of those movies and that music and, and those sort of romantic cinematic 
depictions of New York, I still, you know, fall so in love with that. So I think in a way, I do kind of, it, it encourages, it, it encourages a, a narrative that I continue to sort of seek out in my life that I don't, it's not that it's harmful, but I think it encourages a sort of continuous sort of naivete about what I'm looking for and the, and the kind of romance I'm going to fall into and you know yeah. is you know a sort of ci- these cinematic narratives are are things that I continue to sort of perpetuate I think kind of by the music I listen to because it does enhance and enforce that yeah I don't know and it's almost like the music you listen to are upping your expectations for dating prospects yeah well I say, you know I said I mean there's nothing you know, I'll be on the subway home and I'm listening to Nack and Cole, The Very Thought of You. And it's like so romantic. And I'm sort of looking around the subway and people are getting on and off. And in a way, it makes the subway feel, I don't know, more palatable. Um, right. But, but you know, it's just then then the sort of real side of me is like no one meets that way. You know, no one meets like yeah. they meet in a movie. I mean, that's just not. And that's part of my problem. I think, I'm, you know, I continue to sort of hold out for those kinds of fantasy scenarios yeah or, and and i don't make room or don't make myself open or available to something unexpected which would maybe mean taking my earbuds out and like actually be available no to people around me yeah fuck no goodness no <laughs> i love you for sentimental reasons I hope you do believe me I'll give you my heart Thinking about just my 20s and just all of the high drama of everything that in the moment was very high drama, you know, mm-hmm. who, who I wasn't dating anymore and that they, you know, broke up with me after three weeks and, and I'm heartbroken, you know, and looking back now, that's really just like, you know, who cares? Right. But the music fit right into those moments, the mm-hmm. overdramatic music, uh, overly dramatic breakup music and fuck you music and all of that fit right into what I was feeling. But now it doesn't. It's always interesting to me. Uh, so I'm not going to get through anything ever without talking about Stevie Nicks. Mm. When she writes, you wrote whatever song about breaking up with Lindsay or being upset with whoever, that she then has to perform that in that way for feelings that she doesn't mm-hmm. maybe necessarily have anymore that have been so dormant forever. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm sure at this point it's on it's autopilot for her. I mean, I know as a person looking back on relationships, quote, 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 that I had in my 20s, they're just so silly now and I don't feel anything you know, but somebody who wrote a song that everybody wants to hear and that everybody connects to, and you have to be yeah. the vessel to deliver that connection to them. Well, for her, I mean, I guess it does help that the person she wrote it about is right usually there. standing 10 feet away from her. Yeah. Staring at her. Well, and she turns and stares at him. An intoxicating look. I mean, they're, they're a special case. Cause yeah. They're always <laughs> like, you look at them and it's like just electricity. Always. Oh, yeah. But, um, well, that was just my example, though. Yeah. You know, just that I was thinking about, like, she's so famous for writing about, like, a tumultuous love life. Sure. But a lot of singer-songwriters mm-hmm. are. and Adele. Yeah. But to have to access those feelings, I would feel, and this is just me, but if I had to do that, I would feel corny. If I had to constantly revisit mm-hmm. a relationship that at the time 
was so dramatic and so painful, but that now I know as an adult, it was like so stupid. Mm -hmm. If I had to revisit that over and over very seriously, I don't know how I could like keep it together. I don't either. So much of, I I think about, I don't know, the, the music I listen to, I feel like I learn about relationships because I haven't had a lot of relationships. I haven't dated a whole lot. I've I've had a I had a lot of first and second and third dates. But that was a lot of but my not, experiences too. Yeah, but part. not real relationships and not real heartbreak. And for a precocious imaginative kid who grew into a precocious imaginative adult, I you know, I continue to sort of I think in a way live vicariously sort of through the songs. Yeah. I yeah. listen to and you know, in a way, I feel like I'm exp- like I like I know something about heartbreak because I listen to Stevie Nicks or because I listen to, you know, Joni Mitchell, Hijira, which is all about, you know, heading out on the road to like get away from her latest, you know, heartbreak. And that sort of weathered and hardened and sad, but hardened. You yeah. Know, oh, yeah. Thing is, is something I, in a way, envy because I haven't had the the really big heartbreak yet. We did a soundtrack series. Oh my God, now it's got to be. Is that seriously four years ago? Probably. We did a theme, uh, because we didn't always do themes, Mm -hmm. but we did one that was uh, Losing Your Virginity. Mm. And everybody told a story about a song that they always connect with that. Oh God. And Pavlovian. Oh, it was really fantastic. What were the songs? People, people really say? well, um, Kevin Allison talked about sexual healing. Mm. Uh hearing that in the car with his mother or something like that and her saying like this is not appropriate and it, you know, him going, I am never telling her I'm gay. Wow. Um but uh you know and then he just kind of told fun stories about like you know getting to new york and cruising and whatever else um this uh this writer uh neil told a story about the soundtrack to jesus christ superstar because in college when we do all ambitious things he said to this girl he was seeing you know what if we have sex to the entirety of the jesus christ superstar that's a two-disker i know Throwing on a Vita and getting down. Jesus. Do you get up to change the discs? Or did he have the like five CD? See, I had that. Trey, yeah. And this was the thing when. Spun around. For me, it was um, that I had the three disc changer in and it had just switched over from Changes Bowie to Led Zeppelin 3. And so mm. Immigrant Song came on and I thought, oh my God, like it was about to happen. And I was like, oh, for the rest of my life, I'm going to get to tell everybody that I lost my virginity to Immigrant. That's so cool. And I'll have this cool thing to say. And he picks that moment to look at me and be like, don't fall for me, Dana. Oh. And I was like, no problem. And then he was like, why did you just say that? And I was like, I don't want to talk about it. Could you just do it? This is not a very long, this is a two and a half minute we got song. three and a half minutes. Yeah. <laughs> Come on. <laughs> 
Just put a pin in that. Yeah, and, <laughs> yeah, later. But I need my cool story. Oh my god! Don't fall for me. Oh, it was ridiculous. Go fuck yourself. It was someone I worked with at one of those coffee shops I worked at. Oh no! And it was like we would hook up in the in the walk-in. And, <gasps> um, oh, how exciting! But then it was just like, yeah, all right, I want to get this over with, and so yeah, I did that with him because I had. I mean, I was. Let's just say I hit twenty. Ben was on the other side of it. <laughs> Um, but, uh, but did you have, I don't know that there was a song playing when I lost my virginity. We were, we went to performing our, I went to performing arts high school and it was my high what? school boyfriend. <laughs> and so I'm sure like, I don't know, fucking Pippin or something was playing. And, uh, one disker, yeah, a one disker. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. I don't think there was any music playing. I don't associate it with that. I mean, I associate the what what I associate with are songs I listened to by myself, you know, at that time. And well, yeah, um, I mean, then then what was that? I mean, because that's yet another way. It was a lot of, of Whitney Houston, The Bodyguard. It was a lot of Jewel. <sighs> I used to listen to The Bodyguard every morning. When I had that I on tape. Got ready for school. I did too. Let me tell you, I never flipped that over because Side B was a real horror show. But Side B was the cover of Bill Withers' "Lovely Day" done by the Soul <laughs> System, <laughs> who the vocalist was Michelle Visage. Let's no way. Yes way. <laughs> Go back and listen to that again. All right, flip I'll it turn over it this over. One time. I'll flip it over. <laughs> no, I was side A. Oh, yeah. Just all Whitney. I will always love you to Jesus Loves yep. Me. Rewind. Yep. yep. <laughs> <laughs> Rewind and start again. No, oh, my God. To Jesus Loves Me. <laughs> I forgot that that was on the Bodyguard soundtrack. Oh, it's perfect. Yeah, a lot of Jewel, a lot of Sarah McLaughlin and Paula Cole. This fire. Oh my! Did you yes. ever listen to that? Oh yes. Oh my God! That was a re- that was a that was a humdinger. That album. What's she doing? I know. I she thought like Does she run like a horse farm. Now probably. Or okay. Well, I'm sorry. I'm not answering that question really. But um, no, no. But what you were listening to around the time that because you were saying before, you know, it's like what you're listening to. Let's say when you are writing will inform how you write, or mm-hmm. will inform a tone for writing. So I think a lot when what you're listening to around the time of your first sexual experience or losing your virginity <laughs> kind of sets like the tone for what you go in expecting. Oh, certainly. Well, and just by songs that you love about relationships and hearing how, you know, reading, studying the lyrics. I mean, you you learn about the various kinds of relationships that there are and how people behave within them. I mean, it was sort of, it was a learning thing for me to start to listen to Bonnie Raitt and Carol King and Joni Mitchell and, you know, hearing these sort of, you know, wise and weary, but still optimistic, you know, um, <laughs> perspectives, you know, and especially the female perspective is, you know, one that I always sort of glommed right. onto. I don't know. It's, 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 it's shaped me a lot. And it has also, you know, it, ha- it has shaped a lot of the, the sort of, I think, furtive, fantastical ideas that I think I continue to have about relationships, which is is maybe maybe not a great thing. I'm starting to think to but, not dream so much when it comes to well and, ju- and just and just be open to unexpected people coming from unexpected directions, which is something that I don't know that I've necessarily been before.
breakup songs? Like, what do you lean on when, I mean, you said you haven't had like that many like long relationships or it's like a couple of things, but like when something ends, what do you, or when you're rejected? Yeah. What do you tend to? That happens a lot. Right. So... What do you lean on? I lean on a lot of music. I mean, in a way, I sort of have those songs at the ready. And (laughs) I kind of, it fills me with a warmth to listen to them. It fills me with such a, it's comforting in a way because it's familiar. You know, it's something that, you know, that sort of melancholy, well, we tried and another one bites the dust sort of, you know, like Judy Garland and Nina Simone, like all those songs that are just sort of, wistful and mm-hmm. and downcast the, that wistful i i don't know i i have a lot of those at the ready yeah a lot of bet midler nina simone judy garland um joni mitchell what does nina simone or judy garland or joni mitchell do for you in those moments do they protect you do they empower you do they you know hold your hand uh pat your back they don't i well they make me feel more grown up in a way. Yeah. They make me feel more, more real. They, they make my experience, they, they sort of legitimize my experiences, I think. Yeah. Because I still feel relatively inexperienced romantically. I mean, I, I, I feel like my heartaches are always sort of on a sort of smaller scale than theirs. But I do feel it helps me sort of flesh it out a bit in my head. Yeah to to go through to to listen to that and it it legitimizes them in a way that that I find um helpful and encouraging you know just a sort of you go through this and you don't die unless it's of drugs or alcohol or pills but um I don't know where I was going with that Judy, Judy Garland but um <laughs> yes. lord Looking for the man that got away. One song. You know, you just kind of tell a very quick story that you always, in your memory, connect to a particular song. This, Well, this is sort of a strange... Um, and it happened within the last 10 years. But... Um, so it's not like a childhood memory. But it actually... Uh, this, this song came on my shuffle just a couple days ago and it did make me laugh there's that fiona apple song extraordinary machine which is such a great song and it has that that orchestration is like dun 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 and i always now associate that song with this is actually one of the stories in my book but um i was uh, i'd been dating a a law student and he i'd been at his apartment Uh, It was our very first sleepover. It was like our third or fourth date. And I was so just smitten with him. And we were having such a good time, in my opinion. And but in, you know, as as we were getting into bed, you know, we'd been kissing and, you know, heavy petting. But I sort of reached my hand into his pants and grabbed his dick. And he was very much like, whoa, 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 too fast. And and it, it was just very clear that I had sort of crossed a line. And I... In the morning, you know, I slept, I did, we did sleep in the same bed, but in the morning he had gotten up before me. And so I woke up and he was sort of in the doorway, which I've now learned is never a good sign. And he, uh, 
he was standing there with his phone and he 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 was like oh my best friend just called me she lived back in ohio and 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 he and he was like and she and she's all freaked out you know someone broke into her apartment last night and he was drunk and she finally got him to leave and and you know oh, she's so freaked out and i said oh okay oh my god okay is she all right and he said yeah yeah she's fine but i'm, I'm gonna call i told her i'd call her back and i said oh great great yeah yeah of course and he just sort of looked at me and he said so I'm going to call her back. And it just became clear that, you know, he was needing me to leave. And I, just in my usual, like, clueless way, was, you know, sort of continuing to sort of talk to him as I'm, like, getting dressed. And, you know, well, how's, what, what are you doing today? What's your day? And, you know, going and then I remember, like, going to the door and, and trying to kiss him. And his mouth was just, like, completely sort of closed. So my lips just sort of, like, came right up against his lips. And it was just, like, this collision. And, but anyway, so I put in my headphones as I was walking to the train I was like deep in Brooklyn and you know so far from home and I'm doing the and there was all this construction and so I was walking to like a shuttle bus to go to the train and that Fiona Apple song came on and I just like with each like dun 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 like it just became clearer and clearer to me that he had maybe made up that entire story to just like get me out of his apartment just the more and more I was thinking about it and it just so perfectly sort of was the score to that that moment just the sort of like ominous playful sort of quirky wink wink orchestration of that song you know and how it sort of builds it just sort of perfectly timed out to my like slowly realizing like oh he, he wanted me to leave fully and we're kind of over you'd make the most of it you're an extraordinary machine <laughs> sometimes <laughs> well thank you so much for doing this oh, uh, thank you and, for having me uh, Isaac Oliver author of the critically acclaimed world beloved book <laughs> Intimacy Idiot like I am not exaggerating everyone loved that book well thank you again thank you so much for thank doing this thank you so much thanks this has been the soundtrack series thanks for listening